The Cosmic Christ Center presents The Cosmic Bible With your host, Ascended Master, Theologian, and Bible Instructor, Mercy Heavens Touch the face of God Hear the Spirit in every word and commune with the cosmic knowledge of the Creator. This is Christ's Word. Theme music, Blue Skies by David Feslian. FeslianStudios.com Matthew 7.15 Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Welcome to the Cosmic Bible on Mercy Heavens, and this is Christ's Word. God entrusted men to take care of the earth, but men were not trustworthy. 1 Corinthians 4.2 It is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Jesus told me, Shepherds who are not trustworthy are false prophets. For a shepherd to be found untrustworthy, that shepherd must abandon their role as servants to the earth and all of God's creations. And therefore, most all men are not to be trusted. For most all men have forsaken their roles as caretakers of the earth. When men abandon their roles as shepherds, you can be certain they have no concern for the earth or God's creations, and therefore they have no concern for other men. When greed leads men, men place self-interest over the interests of those who have no money to pay for their goods and services. When I send my prophets out into the world, I tell them, do not be led by greed and do not be led by self-interests. Once my prophets return to me, they say, the people do not understand your teachings. They keep asking us, why did Christ say this and why did Christ do that? So I tell the prophets, teach the people that it is upon God's instruction that I bring the truth of heaven to the world so the people will know the truth of God. Every man wants to be a part of something, yet few men realize that all men are a part of God. So should they return to God, they would find their rightful place on earth. The people must realize that the lies of men have filled the scriptures to their capacity, so the truth of God cannot be seen. Those who tell you that the truth of God is the lies of men are liars themselves. If war is present in any scripture, God is absent from that scripture. If violence, inequity, meat-eating, corruption, persecution, bigotry, hunting, if the sacrifice, harm, butchering, and slaughter of animals, fish, lands, and waterways is in a scripture, then God is absent from those scriptures. Know who God is from man's lies. As I correct the words inside the scriptures, the truth of God returns. These are the things you must teach the world. Before men took the word of God out of the scriptures, the tale of the Bible was a much different tale than men tell you today. 
Luckily, that tale was retold to me by God, so I can repeat it, and the truth can once again be heard. Remember, man was made last, so God could place them as shepherds upon the earth. I told you this before. These are the things you must teach the world. Men took the word of God out of the scriptures in order to tell their own tales. For they had plans apart from God, and those plans were all about dominating and subduing every creation on the face of the earth, under the water and in the sky, and indeed into the very universe above them. When a man refuses to be a shepherd, they also refuse to follow God. A man that refuses to follow God is far worse than a ravenous wolf. For the wolf goes out and attacks for food because of starvation. But a man goes out and becomes a predator of the innocent for no reason at all, other than it gives him pleasure to prey upon others. Yea, it gives him pleasure to pursue greed and self-interest. Men say a false prophet is a wolf in sheep's clothing, for the false prophet tells stories contrary to God's teachings. But I tell you, the wolves of the earth that God created, they are the forefathers of your canine companions. They are noble, courageous, intelligent, and highly sensitive creatures. Unlike men, wolves are wise. So to call men wolves is not a fitting description. Men are destroyers of life for no other reason than they derive pleasure from being destructive. All of their pleasures come from greed, self-interest, and selfish gains. Men are destroyers of the world for wealth, power, and domination. Many a man hunts animals for sport. And what does this truly mean? It means they hunt because it gives them pleasure to stalk and kill the innocent that do them no harm. Men make up excuses as deceptions to cover their lust for blood and violence. But they do not need meat, for they buy meat in stores. Men have industries all over the world that do nothing all day but slaughter animals, gut them and sell their flesh for humans to eat and their body parts for humans to use in their cosmetics, soaps, perfumes, and merchandise. Such men are the false prophets of the world, for they are the deceivers of God. Animals are one with God. The animal kingdoms always behave the way God intended them to, and they are also always grateful for the place God gave them on the earth. Animals do not look for more than they have. They do not steal territories or make war with other species. They do not cause the pollution of the environment, nor do they upset the ecological balance or threaten the ozone layer. Animals remain pure, natural, and innocent all of their lives. They have no independent thoughts that are rogue and contrary to their natural instincts and their higher sentient knowledge. 1. John 4.1 Do not believe every prophet is spirit, but test the spirits and prophets to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and therefore they feed you lies rather than telling you the truth of God. Men who are from God obey God, and therefore they follow the diet of God. To be a false prophet, a man must encourage other men to kill and cause states of suffering and distress. For all false prophets promote and defend these things.
If a man says God told them to eat meat and God approves of meat eating, they are a false prophet. If a man says God told them to hunt, use, wear, exploit, incarcerate, experiment on, or product test on animals, they also are a false prophet. If a man says God told them to create divisive thinking against God, if a man says God told them to persecute his neighbor, pollute the environment, dominate the earth, and enslave and murder every creation, these instructions all come from the ideas of men, and they illustrate man's behavior and man's intentions. Therefore, they come from false prophets. A false prophet teaches the ways of men, and therefore, they also promote the self-serving inventions and ideas of men. False prophets are predators prowling around territories where they do not belong, stalking, spying, secretly concealing themselves, waiting to invade and disturb the peaceful habitats and lives of the unsuspecting as they lie in wait to lure the innocent into an evil trap of sin, death, deception, and lies. The self-serving ways of men are meat-eating. The ways of God are vegan. The innocent are the ones who do not deceive. The innocent are the ones who do not lie. The innocent are the ones who do not make war and spread propaganda. The innocent are the ones who do not instigate divisive thinking. The innocent are the ones who do not dominate and destroy the world. Proverbs 111 if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things, trophies, bones, ivory, meat, and fur, and fill our houses with plunder. And we will all share the loot with our fellow man. If people say these things... Do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil, while their hands and minds are swift to shed innocent blood. False prophets sin in God's name, for they use God's name to defend, protect, and justify their own ungodly actions and deeds. If a man tells you something, and it does not promote mercy, compassion, kindness, and peace, they are a false prophet. Matthew twenty four twenty four, False prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, like saying, Through the depth and torture of animals, great cures are found for human diseases. Or they will say, Hunting and meat-eating saves the planet. Men will also say, God will give you many blessings if you persecute, harm, kill, torture, terrorize, distress, and take the peace away from all of God's life forms. Men do this so as to lead the people astray from God and from the truth. Mark 7, 6 through 9. False prophets teach the doctrines, laws, and commandments of men. They, like meat eaters, reject the commandments of God and hold on to the traditions of men. Men become false prophets through their lies. Men of experts are telling lies and using lies to get their own way. Once men get their own way, 
They back their lies with self-serving laws that promote injustice and inequity, and these laws serve only their own personal and individual points of view rather than serving the entire web of existence. Men make up all kinds of laws to promote their lies and equities and personal and individual belief systems and self-serving agendas. This is how men legalize their lies, violence, and inequities. Men will tell you witches, mediums, and homosexuals are evil, and then they will make laws to defend their unrighteous beliefs so other men can legally kill them, stone them, beat them, hang them, crush them, burn them, and they can also legally throw them in jail. Men will tell you that it is all right to eat meat. So people will go out and hunt animals and eat meat. But God never sanctioned these things. These are the laws of men. Are the victims of these men really evil? Or are these men using their laws to justify what they want to do? The answer is these men are using their self-serving laws to justify what they want to do. So in other words, their laws are lawless. Were animals really made to be eaten by men? The answer is no. The evil ones are the men that make these laws. The evil ones are the persecutors who made up the lies that they feed to other men. 2 Peter 2 1 False prophets will arise among the people as false teachers who will secretly bring in destructive heresies while bringing upon themselves and others great destruction. Reva tells us Because of the legalization of man's lies, False prophets will tell you that God gave man carte blanche to do anything they pleased. They will say God told them to create industries that kill, invent poisons, and dump toxic waste. And they will say God licensed men to hunt and kill. False prophets will also say God told men to open businesses and industries that promote death and torture, like hunting, fishing, poaching, trapping, animal-based sports, theme parks and entertainment, circuses, zoos, animal experiment laboratories, slaughter farms and slaughterhouses, family kill farms, meat markets, butcher shops, and animal kill shelters. All of these things are run by the false prophets of the world, and they were invented by the insane. They were not created or sanctioned by God, and they are not approved of, nor are they supported by His Son. Jesus speaks about the killing of animals because man has made an industry out of animal slaughter. And while human society has been raised to accept this industry, human society is also ignorant of the damage that man's industries of death cause to the planet, to the balance of the web of life, and to the balance of the mind. Going into the cosmic stream, I will be reading from the telepathic message I received. Any harm you cause, any harm you contribute to or partake in, promotes more harm to occur. 
and it does not just harm your victim, it also does harm to your mind. Meat eating promotes the killing of animals, and killing is not healthy for the mind, no matter what you kill. You cannot kill and have a healthy mind. When you work in an industry that kills, when you partake in the killing, or you work with the end product of the killing, preparing the dead body to be sold as merchandise, food, or materials, anything you do to the dead body of an innocent is not good for the mind. The mind is delicately balanced and all acts of violence and perversion upset the balance of the mind so that mind is thrown into the fires of hell and it is lost forever. Do not kill. Do not contribute to killing. Do not support killing. Do not become a consumer of death and mutilation. For verily, you will be killing your mind. 2 Corinthians 11.13 False prophets are deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. But as they disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their wicked ways will expose them, for their lying words will correspond to their deeds. Jesus continues to speak. Men that tell you God sanctioned my death are liars and false prophets. Men will tell you that God turned my life over to men so that men would execute me to wipe out man's sins. But these men are fools. These men also tell you lies, and therefore they are also false prophets. Do you not have sense in your heads? Why do you believe these foolish things? To say that a man's murder dissolves another man's sins is to say that sin washes clean other sins, and this is not so. My murder was a sin. It did not take place to wipe out all other sins. It took place to show men how depraved and sinful men could be. It was not a demonstration of God's love. It was a demonstration of how insane the minds of men are. Just look at your slaughter industries. All of those animals you kill and eat are me. I was the lamb taken to slaughter, and now they are the lambs. Wake up to the truth of man's insanity. Are you also blinded by your own self-interest that you cannot see the blatant lies of the insane? 2 Timothy 4.3 False prophets only do things to suit their own passions. They turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths and human opinions. Men who tell you that they are redeemed and forgiven for their sins through confessions and faith tell you lies. These are the words of false prophets. Your sins are your own. They will not be absolved or atoned by any confession or divinity. Wash yourselves clean of all violence corruption, death, and iniquity, and stop sinning, and then you will not need forgiveness and redemption for your wicked sins and foul behavior. 2 Peter 2.3 False prophets in their greed will exploit all of God's creations with lies and false words. 
for their condemnation and savagery from their ancestors long ago is not idle. Its destruction is not asleep. Men who tell you they are God's favored species tell you lies. These are the false prophets of the world. Men are not superior, nor are men privileged in God's sight. God did not favor man's ancestors, nor does God favor man's descendants. Men are servants to God's creations and nothing more. Know the truth of God, and you will not believe such foolish lies. Matthew seven fifteen twenty. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly think like ravenous men who are corrupted by the world. You will recognize ravenous men by the absence of their fruits. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, as every man of God bears the fruits of the Spirit. But when a tree is diseased, that tree bears bad fruit, just as a diseased human mind bears inequity, violence, death, and destruction. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down to stop disease from spreading through the forest, just as man's evil deeds must be abolished and banned. Jude 1.4 False prophets pervert the grace of God into insensitivity, violence, and sexuality. False prophets tell you I was born of virgin birth. This is a lie. I was conceived as all men are conceived. False prophets tell you I ate meat and fish. This is a lie. I followed the first diet of God, for a diet of vegetation is the only diet sanctioned, approved of, and ordained by God. False prophets tell you I carry a sword of violence. This is a lie. My sword is not a blade of steel that cuts and spills blood. My sword is God's truth. It is my words that I use as my sword. That is how I slay and expose the sins and lies of men. 1 Timothy 6.5 False prophets are depraved in the mind, and so they create constant friction among people who are also depraved in the mind. These false men of the world and forsakers of God deprive men of the truth while teaching them that godliness is a means of unholy gain. Unholy gain is all revenue derived from unholy industries like hunting, fishing, poaching, trapping, animal-based sports, theme parks and entertainment, circuses, zoos, animal experiment laboratories, slaughter farms and slaughterhouses, family kill farms, meat markets, butcher shops, and animal kill shelters. Forsakers of God eat meat and kill and torture animals, including fish. All men who deprive animals a right to a peaceful life so also deprive men of the truth while teaching them that godliness is a means of unholy gain. The friction caused by these lies makes men sinners and defenders of injustice and iniquity. If the fruits of the Spirit are not in a man's acts and deeds, then their acts and deeds are not aligned to God. 
false prophets kill, oppress, incarcerate, and persecute the innocent, and therefore they are the dark gods of iniquity, destroyers of peace and equality, and embellishers of lies. Know a true prophet by how they speak and act. If the truth of God is not present in their actions and words, correct them. True prophets can be known by their ability to live by God's words. If you are still in doubt, and if your mind is still in conflict, wondering who is delivering the right and true messages of God, and who is delivering the lies of men, follow the words of Philippians 2, 1-4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value all life forms above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You cannot be a true prophet of God if you do anything to harm others. Those who create states of suffering, anguish, pain, distress, death, incarceration, and inequity look to their own interests. They do not look to the interests of others, nor do they place others above themselves. Remember this, and you will find the world's true prophets. Mercy will now share her experience debating Christ's true diet as she answers the question, Did Jesus eat meat and fish? One of the greatest debate issues that I hear over and over again concerning false prophets is when people say the true false prophets of this world are the ones who deny men their right to eat meat and fish. For these people are the ones who try to lead people astray from God, especially when God told them in Genesis 9.3 that they had God's authority and permission to eat everything. These people seem to forget that Jesus ate lamb, meat, and fish. And they also forget that Jesus fed men these things. So this proves that men are supposed to eat animals. The first time I heard someone say this to me, Jesus gave me this message. Men are fools, Jesus told me. Do not be false prophets. Read your Bibles and understand the words of God before you speak out and defend that which God did not sanction. Do not take just one part of a scripture to verify the justifications of your transgressions and sins. Read the whole scripture in its entirety and then read all other scriptures and see if a pattern is found concerning the credibility and integrity of your words. Trying to validate a point of view is more than just pulling a pleasing scripture out of a book. What came before Genesis 9.3 and what came after it? Genesis 8.2.1 came before God told man to eat everything. And in that scripture God told man the intent of man's heart was evil from his youth. Does this sound like the words of a God that favors what men do? The answer is no. God never gave man permission to eat meat or fish. God turned man over to man's sins when God told man to eat everything. Pay attention to the words. 
God knew that men would destroy every living thing on the entire planet, and God also knew that there was nothing God could do to stop them. This is the truth of Genesis 9.3, so why do you forsake one part of the scripture to favor another? Do you even know what came directly before God told man to eat everything? I will tell you what came before. In Genesis 9.2, God told man, the fear and dread of men will fall on all of the animals of the earth and on all of the birds in the sky and on every creature that moves along the ground and on every fish and all the sea life that lives beneath the water. Do these sound like the words of a God that favors men? Wake up, you blinded fools. Is the fear and dread of anything a good thing? Is the fear and dread of anything a compliment? Does this sound like God is praising men for their ability to terrorize and bring fear and dread upon the earth and his creations? The answer is no. God has labeled men terrorists, not peacemakers. Genesis 1-9 is the only diet that God approves of. God did not change God's mind on this issue. Genesis 1-9 tells men to eat vegetation, not meat, and not fish. After Genesis 9.3 came many scriptures that you neglect to quote or read. Proverbs 15.17 Better a man eat a serving of vegetables with love in his heart than a man eat a fattened calf with hatred in his heart and death and blood on his hands. Numbers 11.18. The Lord heard the people crying out for meat and said, I hear you wailing. If only we had meat to eat, you cry out. So I will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five days or ten or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord and you have wailed for meat before him. When did God change God's mind about God's chosen diet for men? I tell you, God did not. Numbers 23:19 and Titans 1-2 God does not lie, nor does God change God's mind. 1 Peter 1 2 5. The word of the Lord remains and endures forever. Does this sound like a God that changes God's mind? God does not change God's mind. Never in my lifetime. Did I ever eat the flesh of living beings upon the earth? False prophets tell you these things so they can continue to kill, eat, sell, and gain blood revenue from the slaughter and destruction of animals and fish. See these things for what they are. These things are lies. Men tell you these things as a defense tactic 
so men can continue to rape and steal life from the waterways and lands while causing ocean dead zones and extinction. Never did God and I tell men to do these things. Do not listen to these false prophets who tell you these fallacies. It is time these false prophets ceased using God's and my name to justify their relentless and never-ending defense of man's destruction of God's animal kingdoms, both in the waterways and on God's lands. It is time they ended their persistent and continuous search for ways to justify their transgressions and lawless sins. A man that tries to justify, protect, and defend a sin is a self-serving man. This is a man that takes great pleasure in creating states of suffering, death, and hardship for others. Never use your minds to follow the examples of men who serve themselves. For these are the kind of men that devise and think up ways to destroy the world. Yea, these self-serving men think up ways to lower their intelligence as they shun and forsake their high of awareness of conscience, all so they can gain their wealth from lawless sin. True intelligence lies in raising your high of awareness of conscience. So you will want to justify, protect, and defend deeds and acts of equity and righteousness. Deeds of death are not righteous. Deeds that promote incite and commend and instigate states of pain, suffering, terror, hardship, worry, anxiety, distress, confusion, torment, and inequity aren't righteous. Men rape and demolish the waterways and lands while they murder, terrorize, dislocate, abduct, and incarcerate every life form that God created. This is not intelligent, nor is it righteous. Men that do these things are godless, and therefore they have no value or worth to the planet or to themselves. When men fill you with stories that I ate meat and fish, remind them that the eating of these things are sins against God. The first law of God was Genesis 1-9 when God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They shall be yours for food. To assume Jesus ate fish and meat is to say you do not know God, nor do you hear God. Jesus was God's human representative on earth, so Jesus represented and looked out for God's best interests. Seeing that man ate only vegetation was in God's best interest, for that was God's first diet. God's best interests are the interests of the planet and all that God creates. Remember, when determining for yourself if Jesus ate meat and fish, look to the lesson of who Jesus is. 1 Timothy 2.5 There is one mediator between God and man, and that mediator 
is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Jesus said to the people, There is one God, the Father, from whom all things exist. This is why we exist. John 10, 30. I and the Father are one. Since Jesus and God are one, then it is confirmed who God is. And it is also confirmed that Jesus is whatever God is. So God's thoughts and plans are also the thoughts and plans of Jesus. Hebrews 1, 3. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. Jesus upholds the universe by the power of God's word. Numbers 23:19. God is not human. God is not a human being. So if God is not human, then Jesus does not act like a man and cling to worldly things as men do, nor does Jesus act in worldly ways. John 4:24. God is spirit. So if God is spirit, then Christ acts with the fruits of the spirit to show men the way to God. The way to God is through God's first diet of vegetation. Genesis 1 to 9. Would Jesus go against God's first diet since God and Christ are one? The answer is no. In both stories of Jesus and the fish, each tale came after Christ's resurrection. So in both John 20 and in Luke 5, Jesus was already dead. And in fact, Jesus was a spirit just like God. So when Jesus ate the fish, he actually ate nothing, for Jesus could not consume flesh at all. A dead man cannot eat any more than a dead man can taste, chew, or smell. So now you have to ask yourself, why did Luke and John, who channeled this scripture, see Jesus eating fish? Did Luke and John want to see Jesus eating fish? Was the Spirit upon them? The scripture does not say the apostles saw Jesus actually eating fish. It just says Jesus ate with them. Reva shares her experience of Jesus. My experience of Jesus takes place in several dimensions. There is the cosmic dimension of telepathy and then there is the astral dimension when he and I travel together. One of my fondest experiences is when Jesus took me to Damascus. 
this was a trip into a time space corridor back to the days when he lived on earth he had a stone cottage there which in my opinion looked more like a crude hut there was only one room but a wooden counter separated what might be considered a galley kitchen from the rest of the larger room there was no floor and against the far wall was a coarse overstuffed straw mattress and on top of that a simple wool blanket and many small silk pillows some with braiding for trim on the opposite wall that would face the outside was a large hearth that held a cauldron there was no door only an opening for a door and a ragged cloth was tied back to keep the opening exposed there was also only one window and this was located in the galley on the far wall on the other side of the wooden counter this window was also just a round hole that also had a ragged cloth as a curtain there was a makeshift sink that consisted of a bowl and a pump handle that i assumed went to a well and a counter and then against the wooden counter on the galley side was a tiny table with a chair on either end it was here that christ invited me to dine with him and he ate a small vine of grapes on a plate a few olives a slice of round bread and a glass of wine i did not eat anything as i was too engrossed in what i was seeing the purpose of the visit to his home i learned was to offer me shelter that i could come to whenever i wished to leave my own physical reality while my heart was touched and i was overwhelmed by his kindness and astounded that he would invite me into his private life i was also terrified of the crude time he lived in i did not at the time understand the world that i was seeing i only knew of the history of his time and the brutality that went on and I did not want to be a part of it, not even as a passive bystander. As the apostles that reported eating with Christ were unaware that Christ was a spirit, in order to understand the scripture, you have to ask yourself, were they also unaware of what Christ ate? I took in the scene he showed me in great detail. Why, I could hear goats gloating outside, and I remember seeing a blacksmith hammering on metal over an open fire, I also remember a woman stirring something in a cauldron and chickens roaming about pecking in the sand. And by the look of the sun, I would say it was sometime in the afternoon, perhaps around three or four o'clock in my time. It was also very warm, but then we were in the desert. We talked a lot about Mary Magdalene, and he took me for a walk through the marketplace, and I saw the rug weavers and the basket weavers and the baskets of silk and a great loom with yarn being spun by an old woman in kerchief and dress with apron. And I saw the goats and heard the bells around their necks tinkling. I smelled the smoke from the open fires and heard people talking, though I could not discern the words. But as my empathic senses are great and my interest is keen and I have a scientific mind, so I am an investigator by nature, which lends me the eye of a keen observer. The apostles who ate with Jesus may have just taken Jesus' appearance and his presence at their dinner table for granted. If you read the Bible in its entirety, you will see that Christ does not consume or kill any animals by gun, rod, bow, club, knife, weapon, or hand, 
and in fact during his short lifetime there are no quotes that even imply that christ is a hunter fisherman or a meat eater not even in the passover does it say jesus actually ate the lamb jesus believed that the old testament was divinely inspired and that the veritable word of god was law the scriptures cannot be broken jesus said in john 10:35 and then jesus referred to the scriptures as the commandments of god in matthew 15:3 why do you break the command of god for the sake of your tradition in mark 7:13 jesus scolded you nullify the word of god by your traditions that you have handed down and you do many things like that lastly jesus lets us know in matthew 5:18 that the words of God's scriptures were positively indestructible. Matthew 5:18 Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Since the first diet of God is not being followed by all men, do you think Jesus would encourage men to eat another diet? The answer is no. Jesus 1:29 is the first and only diet of Jesus Christ. All other diets are sin. And Jesus does not sin. 1 Corinthians 15:56 The sting of death is sin. Man cannot eat an animal without creating for that animal the state of death. Man can, however, exclude animals from this scripture and say the scripture only means the death of men. But this is not true. Death means the death of any living being, for God does not show favoritism. Romans 2:11 God does not show favoritism. The fact is, meat is sin, and death is the same for all species. Ecclesiastes 3.18.21 As for humans, they are like the animals. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over the animals. So now, how can we determine that meat is sin? James 4.17 so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Men knew that the right thing to do was to obey God's laws from the beginning. God's first law to man before man sinned was Genesis 1.29. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. 1 John 3.4 Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Once again, to eat meat is to sin, and Jesus does not sin. Luke 11.28 Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Since Jesus does not sin, why would Jesus encourage men to fish and eat meat? Could there be an underlining reason behind these scriptures? The answer is yes. Jesus was God's human representative on earth, so Jesus represented and looked out for God's best interests. Seeing that man ate only vegetation was God's best interest, for God's best interests are that men be shepherd to all of God's creations. 1 Peter 5.2 Be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 
Man was to be the spiritual keeper of God's physical realm, not to destroy all God created, but to use his mind to protect, defend, feed, safeguard, and heal all that God created. Psalm 104. God makes the grass grow for the cattle and the plants grow for people to cultivate bringing forth food from the earth. God had prepared the earth with vegetation rich in healing herbs and man was meant to utilize his hands to collect the vegetation and herbs, combine them and create food and healing salves, potions and remedies in order to feed all life and heal the environment and all the life that became sick or injured. Revelations 22.2 On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. God wanted man to eat only vegetation because God knew that meat-eating would destroy the world. And so God was right. Animal wet markets, the mistreatment of animals, and the unsafe, unsanitary, inhumane, and overcrowded conditions that food animals must live under is creating plagues and diseases around the world, while animal agriculture is the leading cause of deforestation, species extinction, biodiversity loss, ocean dead zones, air and water pollution, global warming, climate change, and habitat destruction. God was no fool. For God also saw how man's dominance over the animals would lead to dominance over men, and God also saw how man's hunting, unnatural inventions, and interference in nature would destroy the planet while killing, orphaning, and badly injuring innocent animals. It was because God predicted man's great disregard for God's animal creations that God tried to stop men through giving them a vegetation diet. The idea of a vegetation diet was that vegetation was balanced with man's spiritual energy. Vegetation did not die until that digestion process began, so there was no killing and no bloodshed. And as there was no killing and no bloodshed, and as the diet was wholesome for the spirit body of man, so man's energy would also be wholesome and his mind would be wholesome, thereby infusing him with the peaceful countenance of God's shepherd and the light of the spirit that included all the gifts of the Spirit. But through man's acts of wanton destruction, God saw the destroying of animal habitats and territories and the disruption of animal migration and hibernation patterns and human interference in daily animal routines. And besides all of this, God also saw the states of suffering, terror, distress, torment, and hardship that man was creating for the animals themselves. You must remember that God is the creator of all sentience, and through sentience you can feel the suffering of other sentient creations. You may not be aware of your sentient gifts, and you may not personally be aware of the suffering of others, but that does not mean God is not aware. Through man's destruction of all of the sea life, bird, reptile, insect, and animal kingdoms, man has been devastating entire animal families and animal communities through premature death and dislocation. God saw all of this coming, and Leviticus 25.7 proves this is true. Leviticus 25.7, And for your cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land, 
all its yield shall be for food but man destroys the lands and man destroys the yield taking all the land trees and food for themselves and leaving nothing no homes no land and no yield for the animals this scripture reminds me of some of the wonderful words of chief seattle when he spoke of the earth i was wondering about the american indians and if any survived and what they would think about the condition of the earth today as it is no longer just the white man that does battle with the spirit it is all men a deep male voice spoke to me in a dialect that was not contemporary of today it was never a battle between white or dark the battle was with greed power domination and a need for violence in order to prove supremacy all men fell victim to the curse the great white master calls it a demon but the demon is not a man the demon is the force that carries the affliction of violence domination and greed man succumbs to this force he gives himself willingly and so the force takes his mind and that mind no longer belongs to that man that man is now mindless the body obeys the will of its new master violence domination and greed all men succumb to this females too no matter their color race or origin only the ones who see the truth hold themselves apart from the force of destruction and these are either empty and uncommitted or they take a higher path that places them on the plains where the demon cannot reach them the mind was created and there are two worlds that can fill it the higher will lead to our superior goals and a superior destiny and the lower will lead only to death there is no middle road the middle road is nothing do you have a name i asked as of yet i did not see a face the voice replied i lived and died as chief of the choctaw tribe in my youth i was called he who runs with the wolves for the wolves were our brothers i said thank you for speaking with me thinking that our conversation was over but the chief had more to say i like your great white chief live with only a scant few of my tribe and here the earth is still fresh and clean and new as the spirit is alive in all things and all the animals of the forest are our brothers but most of all the wolves if in your travels you come to our forest and you see the firelight follow it to our camp you will be most welcome we will call you she who speaks to spirits the wife of the great white chief this surprises me and i say thank you why do you call christ the great white chief he is a ramic the chief responds it is not his nationality that gives him his title it is his service to the white man more important it is his servitude to the white man for the white man has enslaved his spirit and his likeness and they use these things to exonerate them for their crimes against the great spirit suddenly i see the speaker i see an old man with reddish bronze skin he has a careworn face full of lines his hair is stark white 
He wears a long Indian headdress and fringed shirt and pants, and he sits with his legs folded by a campfire. There are three teepees behind him. He looks right at me, and his eyes are amazing. They're crystal blue with a flame in them. I say thank you for allowing me to see you. Jesus hopes that through his new ministry, he will expose what men have done, and through the expositions, a path will be forged through a man's duplicity and lies. The chief smiles at me. The great white one dreams. He cannot defeat the evil one who has ruled since the first days of man. But he might turn a few hearts and awaken a few minds. And as your knowledge is released, so it will live in the winds of time for all to hear. And then who knows what may come of the great plan of the white master. I reply with, thank you for speaking with me, chief who runs with wolves. The chief replied, you are welcome, Reva, who speaks with spirits. From the beginning, God did not want man to destroy the earth or God's animal creations. And the story of Moses and the grains is proof of that. Do you remember Revelation 11.18? Revelations 11.18, the time has come for destroying those who destroy the earth. Christ did not eat meat or fish. Christ followed God and ate only vegetation, and all of the scriptures that proclaim that Christ helped men obtain meat and fish while feeding men meat and fish are parables, simple stories used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. They are not to be used to justify the killing and eating of meat and fish. They are there to demonstrate the detrimental outcome of the killing and eating of animals and fish through the power of the Spirit. Acts 10.38 You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power so he could do good and heal all who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus did these things, for God was in him. Christ gave the people the ability to see what they desired to see, and he gave people the ability to eat what they desired to eat. This placated the savage lusts in the people, so they did not become enraged in frenzied violence, for their minds were unbalanced and disturbed, and the placation Christ gave them provided their unbalanced minds with confidence in the Holy Spirit of Christ. Christ's act of placating the savage lusts of men is not an act that shows Christ's approval of man's savage lust, but it is an act that showed Christ's superior wisdom, for he realized men were lost to God because they chose to follow the lusts of their savage hearts, and in man's choice to follow his savage lusts. These men were also lost to Christ. They were not his shepherds, so he let them go. Christ says, Yea, to continue to try and teach a savage mind is a futile endeavor. There is no learning in such a mind. The mind does not operate. The body and its urges are in control, and that body is a vacant house. There is nobody home. In these scriptures, Jesus clearly provides these men fish through a miracle and not through any mortal means, so the fish are not real. In John 21, just like in Matthew 14, 13 to 21, when Jesus turned five loaves of bread and two fish into 5,000, and then he healed the sick through a touch of his cloak, what Jesus actually did was place the Spirit upon the people 
and that is how they ate what they wanted and saw the miraculous events that took place. 1 Corinthians 2.4 My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Jesus says, Yea, the savage lust in men saw the miracle of the death that they craved to eat, because the miracle was equal to their lust. The miracle of seeing God's face is beyond them. The miracle of seeing the Holy Spirit is beyond them. The concepts of love, joy, peace, kindness, mercy, forbearance and self-control are beyond them. But the fantasies of killing and devouring flesh are easily believed. If you do not feel sorry for them, all you can do is leave them to their own annihilation. For by their own choice to follow death, what destiny do they have but death? Acts 1.8 To prove the power of the Spirit could make men see what Christ wanted them to see, Jesus told his apostles, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Every time Christ feeds men fish and meat, Jesus tries to teach them self-discipline. This is Christ's way of saying, eat the foods God did provide. Do not go out and look for food you do not need. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. The eating of fish and meat are the pattern of the world that man invented. They are not the pattern that God wanted men to follow. Romans 12.2 Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Jesus says God's good and pleasing will is that men bring their minds to peaceful order and abandon their lust for death. Return to the commands of God that serve the spiritual body of man. This includes returning to the first diet of Genesis 1.29. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that is the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. Cease your destruction and your pollution. Clean the earth and heal your minds and your bodies. Do not force the earth or her creatures to submit to your domination, but rather live. Dismantle all factories of death and destruction. Dismantle all industries of pollution. Cease your incessant need to procreate and invent what is not natural or organic. Restore the environment to a whole and healthy balance and the earth will work with you, and peace will return to the earth. This is the reason for all the lectures that denounce the eating of meat and fish. Killing is not healthy for the mind. Eating meat or fish is equal to eating death, and death is not compatible with the energy field of the spirit. While you choose flesh foods, you kill the spirit, so it cannot rise, and you remain in the lower worlds with the death you cause and contribute to. As long as man leads through destruction, he will not evolve. As long as man continues to kill, he will not evolve. 
as long as man continues to remain in denial of his destruction, he will not advance. The poisons he releases into the environment of already poisoning his body, his brain, and his genetic coding, which corrupts the coding of his children, so their bodies and brains are also poisoned. As he continues to kill, his mind will be corrupted, his recordings will carry his corruption, and as he is the identity of his recordings, he and his recordings will be joined to the same fate. His fantasies will lead him only to a fantasy of death, and he will be the subject and the recipient of that final, fated destiny. So many scriptures tell mankind to live in peace with others and do not cause harm to them, but men and women do not listen. There is one last scripture that is 100% against fishing, and that is Ecclesiastes 9.12. In the King James versions of Ecclesiastes 9.12, it says, As the fish that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, even so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. Why in this scripture does it call the net evil? The net is evil because it brings death, and death is sin. 1 Corinthians 15:56. The sting of death is sin. In the New American Bible, they call it a treacherous net. In the New International Bible, they call it a cruel net. In the New English Translation Bible, they call it a deadly net. So let us put all these together and read Ecclesiastes 9:12 again. As the fish that are taken in an evil cruel, treacherous, deadly net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, even so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. This scripture is telling you that when men do evil, they create an evil time on earth. If you reread the Bible, you will see Christ does not kill animals or fish, nor does Christ pick up one weapon, one fork, or spoon to consume meat. Christ also never raises his hand in violence. Christ only speaks and follows the messages of God, for Christ is now the Spirit of God. Christ tells me, how far will man go in committing acts of cruelty against all of God's creations? What gentle and innocent creations the fish are, and how wicked man is to eat them. What harm could a fish do to any man? These are not sharks or stingrays that attack a man who violates their space in the waters. Yea, the shark and stingray are soldiers defending God's ocean territory, where the man is the unwelcome invader. Man was not born in the ocean. Why is he in the ocean? Just as the man would strike down a man that invaded his home, the shark and stingray will both take the same action against an invader in the water. But man feels man is right to kill someone who enters his home, and he feels he is right to invade another's home. But fish are not creatures that assail anything. These are creations of God that are free from violence and spoils. Whatever you do, my people, do not say that you cannot embrace the Eden lifestyle because the merciful ways of Eden go against your human worldly ways. If you were truly men of God, you would remove yourselves from the destructive world of men and realize that it is because of your worldly ways that you must raise your minds and give up your corruptions and iniquities, so the renewal of your innocence will bring you closer to your spirits, the light 
and your Creator God. Whenever I am asked about my own diet needs, Jesus says, I always think to myself, people ask a lot of questions, but the questions are not wise, nor are they thoughtful. People seem to only ask questions in order to look for the answers that will justify, vindicate, and legitimize their self-serving desire to kill and harm all of God's creations. Yea, men do this often, all so they can exonerate themselves from any and all responsibility to their own contributions to the destruction of the planet and all life forms upon her. Because the minds of men have not changed since they were first created from the ape, men still cling to primitive thinking. Only unlike the ape, men are not as thoughtfully intelligent. Although men classify all animals as things, rather than living beings under their self-centered human laws, it is men that act more like a thing than an animal. For a thing is an inanimate material object without consciousness, and a thing is also without the capacity to perceive their living environment while thinking through the outcome of their actions and reactions in relationship to their environment. If you think of the definition of a thing, a man comes to mind, not an animal. When do animals act as men? Animals are very perceptive to their living environment. They do not destroy the environment or make war. They do not compromise the environment or the ecological balance. They do not invent poisons or weapons of destruction. And they do not build industries that slaughter humans for food, nor do they build industries that dump toxic waste into the air and the water. Man does all of these things because he acts without a conscience and without consciousness, just like an inanimate object. Animals are not inanimate. Animals are always moving and they are filled with sentience, sensitivity, feelings, and emotions. Only men act insensitive, careless, thoughtless, uncaring, and inconsiderate, for men know how to behave, and yet they intentionally, deliberately, and willfully do things that are insensitive, thoughtless, careless, uncaring, inconsiderate, harmful, and dangerous. Mm -hmm. Men do not think at all. Men plow and plod through life, unconcerned with the consequences of their actions. This is why they are successfully destroying the world. Only the human body has evolved since man's creation, but their intellect, perceptions, comprehension, understanding, and learning abilities have not, for these things are as stagnant as the embedded rock in the solid earth. There has been no advancement in human perception, awareness, or higher consciousness in the whole of the human species, for only a very few men and women have evolved in the mind. Men in the beginning were incapable of learning the difference between right and wrong and good from evil, and to this day the descendants of those men are still the same. And in fact, some are even more incapable of learning these same things today. We have come far, men will tell you, in an effort to claim their self-serving authority and over-exaggerating greatness. Just look at us, why men can build rocket ships that will take them to the moon. When I hear men say this to other men, I tell men, men invent many dangerous and detrimental things, but what good are they? What good is a rocket ship when you litter other planets and the outer regions of space? And what good is a rocket ship when your hefty carbon footprint from your rocket fuel depletes the very ozone layer that sustains all life on the very planet you live on? It is true that you can be assured that through your making of a spacecraft, you will one day have the capability to leave the Earth, but wouldn't it be wiser and more useful to take care of the Earth rather than destroy her with your ideas and inventions? 
Why not take care of the planet that you currently live on rather than look for another planet that you can destroy? The seeing eye is blinded by the blind eye, and the hearing ear is deafened by the ear that refuses to listen. Although both of these things share the same head, they are selective in which one shall see and which one shall hear, for they choose to see and hear what benefits the receiver's own self-interest. Because men do not open their eyes, ears, and mind to see and hear all things, their minds are closed like a steel trap and clamped down tight so God cannot enter. Men with closed minds, eyes, and ears also have hardened hearts, for their thoughts are fixed on worldly things, while their iniquity, greed, corruption, violence, lust, death, and self-interest are their closest companions. Like a stampede of wild and reckless humans, they storm the walls of equality, peace, mercy, and true justice, all to protect and defend the opposite that they crave. Injustice, ruthlessness, iniquity, conflict, war, violence, depravity, cruelty, and death. We are out of work, they shout. We have lost our jobs and livelihoods, they holler. We will sue for injustice, they bellow, bawl, and cry. But never do they think of the injustice of their work, and never do they think of the injustice of their human masters, or how the companies that they work for are destroying the planet, the environment, and all of the many animal kingdoms of the earth. We are losing money, they yell. The economy must survive no matter what, they wail, even though they fully are aware, and even though they fully know and comprehend that all the revenue that they earn from their jobs is being made from the suffering, pain, death, torment, terror, distress, hardship, and anxiety of the people, the animals, and the destruction of the planet. Human leaders are thoughtless creatures, and the herds of men that emulate and follow them are far more dangerous and mindless than a coal train barreling down a track full speed ahead, while the coal steam pollutes the air and the train itself is being driven by a blind conductor without a map or heading. How can a mind created to be so superior have turned out to be so dull, dense, violent, and dim as the human mind has done? Yea, the fear and dread of the man-beasts have taken control of every land and waterway, even though they are incompetent and incapable in their ability to control their own minds and actions. I remember one day when one of my shepherds returned to me. They said, Men keep asking us, why is God's way better than man's way? And why should we choose God's way over man's way? When man's way is the normal way for men. After all, man's way has been working for years, so why is there a need to change? I replied, man's way is the way of destruction and death. If this is what other men choose to emulate, then so be it. God is the way of peace and light. No man that seeks peace and light would ever think that destruction and death was working for the planet. Because men not only work towards the ways of destruction and death, men know no other way but destruction and death. So destruction and death is what they achieve on a daily basis. When people tell you that man's way is working, they are correct. Man's way is working for other men who believe in the same things as men do. Because men only work towards the ways of destruction and death and destruction and death is killing the world. Then men are indeed the experts and masters of their chosen trade, for most of man's inventions 
and ideas do indeed produce destruction and death. Always remember to tell the people that the ways of men are self-serving and self-seeking, for they are filled with self-interest, self-indulgence, self-concern, self-righteousness, and self-absorbed inward thinking. When you follow men, you only care about yourself. When you follow God, you care about others and do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit because you consider others and place the interests of others above your own. To waste your time on a self-centered man is to take your time away from a quality man who thinks with selfless altruism and upright character. These are also the ways of God, for in God there is no darkness. The ways of men are filled with darkness. Therefore, forget those who choose to stand by men, and you, yourself, remain in the light, so that these seekers of men do not extinguish a flame. The human herds are more than a trillion strong, and yet to find even a handful of men and women that are wise enough, intelligent enough, merciful and peaceful enough to return to God is becoming a challenge. Who among these listeners will answer the call, and who among this rogue species of inferior shepherds will hear my words and know that they are the truth as they enter my new fold and join their minds with my own? Leaving the cosmic stream, I have written something that I believe is apropos to this episode. While I don't consider myself a prophet, I can say that Christ's messages are easily recognizable by the quality in their content. There are ten keys that determine the authenticity of the message, and all of these ten keys are present in every message. Number one, Christ speaks to the alpha mind, the higher mind that is cosmic. As the higher mind is foreign to many people, the only way to illuminate the higher mind is to expose all of the thinking and impulses that are opposed to the higher mind. Through exposing the opposite of the higher mind, the lower mind is revealed. And now, through the exposing of all lower thoughts, leanings, cravings, and desires, so the lack of quality in the lower mind is also revealed, and so are the obstructive influences that bar knowledge of the higher mind. As Christ's first and primary goal is the evolution of the mind, Christ would expose all leanings, cravings, and impulses of the lower mind as the leanings, cravings, and impulses that should not be followed. Christ would never condone these lower impulses, nor would he praise these lower impulses, nor would he support and approve of these lower impulses. So should a man come along praising the flesh leanings and desires of men, and should that man use these flesh leanings as a sign that he speaks for Christ, you will know that this man makes up his own Christ and is using his imaginary Christ to sell his own ideas that are not aligned to Christ's ideas. Number two, Christ speaks to teach the higher mind to evolve the lower mind and raise it out of flesh thinking and flesh leanings and cravings. As Christ speaks to teach the higher mind to evolve the lower mind and raise it out of flesh thinking and flesh leanings and cravings, so Christ would never promote flesh thinking or flesh cravings. And when any man or woman promotes these things, they promote their own ideas, not Christ's ideas. Number three, Christ speaks to inspire the higher alpha mind to states of superior thinking that include the attributes and qualities of holiness, divinity, 
pacifism, a reverence for God, the cosmic creator, and inspiration toward holy living in the afterlife. As Christ speaks to inspire the higher alpha mind to states of superior thinking, so Christ would only promote superior thinking. All superior thinking would conform to the fruits of the spirit, and all messages delivered by a true prophet of Christ could be held up to the fruits of the spirit that are loving, joyful, kind, benevolent, merciful, patient, full of self-control and forbearance. Number four, Christ raises the audience to higher mental states by presenting information that exposes all lower thoughts, emotions, and feelings, thus awakening the minds of listeners to the presence of lower thoughts, emotions, and feelings, so they may recognize these things as the opposite thoughts and feelings to thoughts and feelings that are holy, divine, passive, and inspirational. Christ does not rely on parroting the rhetoric of man's churches because all of man's churches speak man's rhetoric. The sermons and scriptures were written by men and the clergy repeat them in order to praise men and worship men. As Christ's mind lives, Christ speaks for himself telepathically to the minds of all who receive his word. When a self-proclaimed prophet or member of man's clergy relies on scripture, they do not speak to Christ, so they have no knowledge how Christ thinks or feels. They only know what men taught them to say. Number five, as Christ lives in excellence and virtue, so he promotes excellent and virtuous thinking and conduct. He does not promote or condone thoughts or behavior that are not praiseworthy, peaceful, holy, divine, or in contrast to the fruits of the spirit that are loving, joyful, good, kind, merciful, benevolent, full of self-control and forbearance. Number six, as Christ is spirit, and as Christ is the spiritual embodiment of God and the Holy Spirit, so Christ's word is superior to man's word, which means that Christ's intentions are superior to man's intentions. Therefore, in order to understand Christ's word as the opposite of man's word, you must think higher than man. You must raise the bar on man's thinking and see what would be superior to man's concepts. Christ would never deliver a message that supported man's thinking, for man's thinking is flesh thinking, and Christ does not support the flesh. Christ supports the mind of the spirit, the alpha mind, the cosmic mind that is connected to God. Number seven, as Christ supports superior thinking, so Christ does not resort to man's divisive thinking. Christ does not persecute any life form based on color, race, age, gender, sexual preference, religious beliefs, economic status, physical condition, or species. All of Christ's principles are altruistic, aesthetic, virtuous, peaceful, holy, and divine. While Christ does not persecute any creation of God, Christ does call out evil in all its faces of oppression, limitation, deprivation, violence, greed, self-service, self-interest, chauvinism, deceiving practices, misrepresentations of the truth, misleading and self-serving propaganda, and all facets of divisiveness, domination, ruthless behavior, and perverted thinking and behavior. Number eight, 
christ promotes superior qualities through teaching superior qualities and he advocates for the emulation of superior qualities that are found in the fruits of the spirit and as he advocates on behalf of these fruits so he would not promote the opposite inferior qualities or conditions as what is superior is also holy and divine in christ's eyes and what is holy and divine is perfection and as perfection is flawless and cannot change so the superior qualities that christ advocates for also do not change when man promotes a negative quality under the name of a superior quality the inferior emulation proves that man is using misleading propaganda in order to confuse and deceive the public number nine as christ promotes a cessation to all acts of sin so he also promotes an end to all acts of violence and inequity christ does not promote an end to some violence while allowing other violence to continue only man gives half measures because man delivers inferior thinking christ delivers superior thinking and always delivers superior rules and laws that are for the benefit of the superior mind and spirit so these laws are to be followed in full measure evil is called out in all its guises not in just some guises while other guises of evil are considered better than others all evil is condemned number 10 christ like god does not change his mind nor is his word flawed by half-truths and deceptions. Whereas man bends all truth, so it serves his personal interests, so man pollutes the truth just as he pollutes the environment, the ecosystems, the ozone, and the biosphere of the earth. It is only other men that are so used to living man's lies that they believe they are living the truth. But the truth is superior to man's lies, and the superior truth is harder to live up to than man's lies. Christ exposes the inferior in order to illuminate the superior, and then, should men decide the superior is too high for them, at least they choose the lesser in full knowledge of the greater. That way, if what they choose is inferior, they only have themselves to blame when they do not evolve and they do not rise after the death of their bodies. Christ says, In contrast to my thinking, men want men to believe they are always right, and nothing they do is wrong. So men live in confusion and deception, and they die in confusion and deception. And when their minds are clear, because they no longer live a gravity existence, they see their foolishness and their afterlife is spent bemoaning their stupidity and regretting their decisions and practices, and they are unable to find their way out of the cycle of humiliation and guilt. I have sat in Christian churches, and I have listened to the rhetoric. It is memorized by the leaders that deliver the sermons. It is not changed or updated. There is no teaching, there is no explanations, and there is nothing learned from this method of sermonizing. Christ is not in the words, even when his name is mentioned in the sermon, because the one who delivers the sermon does not hold the spirit of Christ. The one who delivers the sermon does not know Christ, and he or she is not 
in communion with Christ. And even Christ will tell you this if you ask him, if you hold the power to hear him. I find it easy to deliver Christ's word because I am my own person. I know who I am. I accept the spirit identity of Reva Christ that Christ asked me to take, and I accept my position as his consort and the leader of his ministry. But I am fully within my own mind. Christ does not own my mind. He is a separate entity. And because I am in full awareness of who I am, I am able to experience Christ in full awareness of who he is, and I am happy to speak on his behalf through the messages he gives to me to give to you. But when others follow the messages they are fed by men, they have no minds of their own. They only have the minds of their masters. So they are not in their own minds in the first place to even recognize Christ's mind in the second place. I am a scientist and I deliver the messages of a man that lived thousands of years ago. In my eyes, he is the most famous man in two dimensions. He is a fascinating specimen of a culture that is known and revered worldwide, even though men present Christ and his culture in corruption. To know the truth from the mind of Christ that still lives is exciting and stimulating to me. As I am pursuing the metaphysical and the planes of consciousness, I would be amiss if I did not serve the master of those planes. As I serve Jesus Christ, so I serve my own desire to discover what lies beyond the matterverse, and I get an insider's perspective on life after death, so I may consider where I will fit in after my own mortal journey is over. On the next episode of the Cosmic Bible, we will learn about the sins that are not sins. For when man rewrote the Bible, he used his own divisive thinking to declare what was sinful in order to empower his own rage against those he chose to persecute. I'm Reva Christ. May Christ's word be with you.